You're listening to Can I Help You with the love master himself, Craig Shoemaker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Can I Help You with Dr. Craig Shoemaker, also known as a comedian, Craig Shoemaker. You know, we should have that as a title. I know the comedian, Craig Shoemaker. Yes, we, but, <laughs> we, we, but we should have that as a, you know, chefs have a title, doctors have a title. Why don't comedians have a title? We're bringing it all um, the time. We um, have a prescription that we're offering all the time, right? That's right. You heal more, believe me, you heal more people than doctors do. Uh, probably <laughs> true, right? Definitely. I we, mean. Don't, we just don't get the credit for it. Well, uh, welcome everyone to our show. Um, we are here with Eddie Burke, and this is an unusual guest Hello. because a lot of people will say, who's Eddie Burke? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> My wife said that this morning. <laughs> Everyone here Burke? has said that, and people listening are saying that. Who is Eddie Burke? Eddie Burke is, so I'm a comedian for a long time, if you didn't know that, and uh, been at it for decades, but this guy's been at it for decades as well as the bartender at the Improv, which you would say is the number one comedy club in the world, right? Yes, I certainly would. And it's the, it's the one that started it all in New York yeah. with uh, Bud Friedman. I think it was 1963. Yeah. And no, I wasn't there. In, in, in Hell's <laughs> Kitchen. Yeah. He started the Improv. There were great photographs of back then. Bette Midler started there. Oh, and yeah. All these legends at this tiny little place I used to play. I think it was on 45th and 9th, something like that, right? Somewhere in that area. In Hell's Kitchen. Danny yeah. Aiello. It, I think it opened as a uh, kind of a, an outlet for the Broadway people to come after their shows. Yeah, it's right in the middle of that area. Yeah, yeah. and somehow it morphed into just a stand-up club at some point. It was a variety, mm-hmm. a place for variety, a lot of singers. And I think back then, uh, comedians had uh, accompanists a lot of times. There, were, there was a piano yes. uh, player that would uh, assist them or actually be there for the segues back and forth and the intros. Because back then, they didn't have... Uh, you know, a sound system that you could play anything. Now, right. you know, you say, what song do you want to walk up to? Well, that's, yeah, that's where karaoke started, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. So, and then they would have someone playing piano. I think Dustin Hoffman was one of those people that played Man. piano. I don't know if he played as an accompanist, but he played piano there, uh, from what I was told. I mean, the names back in New York were ridiculous in yeah. terms of who was there. It Carlin. Was, Carlin, uh, I believe Pryor, um, Danny Aiello. The actor. Uh, was, yeah, was a doorman back there. He was a doorman. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, we know him from Do the Right Thing and a number of movies. He just passed away recently. Yes. But uh, mm-hmm. he started there as well. Did he Did he ever go to the, your Hollywood improv? And you've right. been there since, I think, 1978? 79, yeah. 79. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're going to get to who you, repla- who, re- who you replaced. That is <laughs> unbelievable. I went to Eddie's Roast. Uh, it was not supposed to be a roast. It was supposed to be a celebration. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's uh, Gary Cannon. He was the only one that roasted. Everybody else was kind of lost on stage. Like, what am I going to say about him? I don't know what to say. It's like, you know, I like the guy or I don't like the guy. But it's like. Well, was, I, I was talking about this uh, on our break here because uh, Bruce Jingles just did this another episode. Mm-hmm. So if you're tuning in, I am wearing the same shirt. I didn't bother <laughs> to pretend it's a different day. He washed it. But uh, you can. You, 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 yeah, that's right. 
It is virus time. I washed my shirt in between yesterday. So uh, <laughs> you are uh, you've been a bartender for forty years. It was your forty mm-hmm. year anniversary. That's why we're uh, we were celebrating right. you. Mm-hmm. Jay Moore went up. Yes, right. And I have to tell you, it was one of the most brilliant performances I've ever seen. I wouldn't go up because I'm not going to perform in front of comedians. Right. <laughs> They're not the greatest audience. Judgy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just sarcastic and cynical. The worst thing is to perform in front of your peers. Oh, it's the worst. They're all like, eh, he could have done that this way, that I, way. I wonder if other people feel like a doctor, if they're doing surgery, if they had somebody <laughs> that was That's around, around the surgical table going, are you kidding me? You call that it? A- <laughs> You call that an incision? Well, I have to admit, I don't mind performing in front of other bartenders. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Do you have a cluster of bartenders that you like? You come to your bar, for instance, after they're finished working. There's there's a few that yeah. come in. Uh, there the used years. to be a lot more. You know, there at the uh, at the celebration, there had to have been six or seven bartenders throughout the history. Throughout the history of the improv. Right, that were there. I mean like local on Melrose, like someone from across the street. What was that bar across the street? I used to hang out. The uh, uh, Moustache. Yes, yes, the Moustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that remember. Was, that's that been was closed such for a, a while. great place. Yeah. That, that's where we went, uh, you know, if mm-hmm. Bud kicked us out. <laughs> Bud <laughs> Freeman get would out kick of the us hall. out. <laughs> <laughs> that was my biggest memory. Is get out of the hall. So Bud Freeman, the owner of the improv, he had a table. Mm-hmm. The table. Right. How do you know about the table? What the did he do table. at the table? We was, have the table. It's there. It's not the same. Come no, on. No, but it's, yeah, it is. It's the same table. That it's was there. Bud's, it's the same table, but it was Bud's table. And that's how, that's how a comedian knew that they made it. Right. If you got invited to the table, and the other thing he would do is get out of the hall, get out of the aisle, get out of the aisle. He would repeat that over. That's how you knew you didn't make it. Every, if you were a get out of the aisle, he would never say, get out of the aisle, Jerry Seinfeld. No. Right? Or Craig Schuing. But, but, no, uh, he did that with me at first. Well, Are you before kidding me? you got where you got. When I, when I first got there, that was the thing. Is like I was not you know, invited into the club. That's a hard thing to do. Every, there's, those stories are rampant. I hear, and more and more these days, I hear stories about that round table. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a woman the other day who wrote a book. Uh, her name is Julie Rao. And uh, she said she sat down there one day. Bruce Willis was at the table. Yeah, he was a regular. Yeah, Bruce was at the table. And uh, I think his brother, David, and they, you know, they were friends with her and they, Called her over, and uh, then Bud came over and went, hmm, "Who's this? Who's this?" Yes, uh, and she said she just kind of she she didn't realize it was that she yeah. wasn't a comedian. She didn't have any idea what the the table was all about. And, and Bud was the king. Oh and yes, to be at his on his court, mm-hmm. you had to have a resume, right? You had you to be did. on the rise. You had to have some heat about you, which is all an illusion, anyway, isn't it? Of course. Half the people we name now, no one's going to know who they are, yet, <laughs> yet they were invited to the table because they were that big at the time. Well, it's funny that you say that because if you mention the, the real, uh, let's say, icons of comedy to even comedians these days, they don't have a clue. No. You, you mention a name like uh, Milton Berle or uh, Sammy Davis Jr. or anybody, they go like, who? Uh, like, well, <laughs> you know, maybe Listen, you should study that, what you're doing. You could take that even further up into the 90s and early yeah. 2000s, and they don't know who they are. I know. Well, Like, so, uh, who are some of the Tom Parks right. who had his show on HBO? Mm-hmm. No one knows who he is anymore. Or Jimmy Alec. 
you know, these are names that I'm sure you're more than familiar with mm-hmm. who are at the table. That's right. They're at the table one time. But, I just uh, saw Jimmy. Jimmy Alec? Yeah, about a month ago at uh, Jerry's Deli in Studio City with uh, John Mendoza. Oh, of course. Mendoza's, yeah, yeah he was mm-hmm. at your roast. Then. Yes, he was. He didn't go on stage, but he was at your roast. No, he did go on stage. Mendoza did? Yeah, he went on for about a minute. <laughs> it it like, must have been a minute because it must have, I must have been, it was as yeah, long as my quick. pee was. I could tell you that because I have no <laughs> recollection of Mendoza. I saw him there, but a lot of people yeah. were there. They showed up for your roast. It was really a lot of fun. What was strange about it for me is you had this little camp that were still around the table and from our era. Mm-hmm. And then you had all the young ones, the up and comings. Yeah, they were on this side, and it was really strange. To and I had all these memories. Thinking I was thinking how they were thinking. You know what I mean? Like how I was at that right. age, where you still have that starvation for to be accepted and and, to and move there, your career along. There was a separation between those two groups too. That's what like I mean, you said, yeah. it's like they were apart, and it was so crowded. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. I was flattered by the amount of people that showed up and that I didn't even see there. I got a call, I think, just a week ago yeah. from uh, a former agent of mine that I had invited. An agent? You have an agent as a bartender? I'm an actor. See, you didn't even know that. So your former agent, what agency was he with? This uh, media artist group. Oh, yeah, I remember them, yeah. Okay, and uh, they're still going, and he's still head of the agency. Anyway, I had him, uh, I invited him, mm. and he called me about a week and a half ago, and he goes like, I just, you know, I had to call you and, and say that I had such a great time, and wow. I was like, you were there? I didn't see you. Yeah, a lot of people, I've, I've I heard the same thing. I was was it Jamie Kennedy? I ran into Jamie yeah. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. He yes. said he was there. I said I didn't see you there. Yeah. And uh, but but anyway, back to Jay Moore. He tells a story on stage, and it was a brilliant story, really really funny about run about you mm-hmm. and the, the the lead singer from Rat and from- Pearl Vision Center and Ralphs and <laughs> all this happened in the Valley. And he drugs, tells a story, What's that? and drugs, drugs mm-hmm. and everything, and we're all. Really into the story, does characters, brilliant, funny, and everything else. It was all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got news for you. It was all a lie. Completely, the story was mm-hmm. completely fabricated. He made it up on the spot. He on said. the spot, unbelievable. And my wife, to me, is, that's comic brilliance. Right? It there. was. It was yeah. unreal. And my wife is sitting there looking at me like. <laughs> I never heard. Was this before? I didn't know you knew the lead singer yeah. of Rat and did and, uh, cocaine like, with the and, lead and, singer of Rat. Right. She's looking at you going, even she was believing. Oh, him. she was. And my kids who are, you know, in their 30s are like, holy yes. shit. This Dad. is a whole it's era like, we don't know about. Yeah, I, uh, we know you didn't, haven't told us everything, but <laughs> you left this part out? Can wow. It's like, it took me uh, actually... A couple of days to get over. We're we're at breakfast, my my kids mm-hmm. and my wife, and my son goes like, "Dad, you got to tell me, is any of that true?" <laughs> he said, did. Yeah. Oh, a couple of days later. Yeah, I said on the spot. What were you doing? Were you just going I was along sitting, with it? Yeah, on the spot. I was going along with it. I was just listening to what he was saying, trying to figure out. Where he's getting all this from? Just his brain is just that, going. That is a comic's brain, and that I was very impressed with that. I mean, it was an impressive night. Anyone that got up there, now there's someone else that I absolutely love and showed his brilliance, and it was all in the moment. These are not prepared bits. I don't think people have the respect for comedians that they need. 
Oh, I you certainly are so my, right. my, well, my mind went so way know. up that night mm-hmm. because I got to be an audience member and watch the brilliance take place. And they, they were everyone ad libbed. Mm-hmm. And they all came up with this. They went to their instincts. And they went, and they, and they, I was going, are you kidding me? And this is not an audience. For right. a comedian, you don't know, have a bunch of people screaming, oh my God, I'll hang on every word. <laughs> they, they were going, they were in the moment, and uh, Kevin Nealon. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nealon went up, uh, and it, I did not know. He was the bartender there. That, if people, by the way, people don't even know who he is now. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he, but he's and he does have a show, or he's on a show. Well, they know him from Weeds because right, yeah. you know everybody smokes weed. <laughs> so, but uh, you know he's been in a million things. But Saturday Night Live, he was mostly known for. That's what mm-hmm. that's who discovered him. Right. That's where he came out to the to the public. Uh, he was the bartender, and you are you the one that uh, did he train you? Is it was no, it like that? No, he didn't train me. He was uh, he was the bartender. There was another guy there who in was, late seventies. Yeah, who was the head bartender, so to speak. And uh, Kevin was had the shifts, like the secondary shifts. Like, let's say the head bartender worked uh, Wednesday through Saturday. He was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I came in. I was brought in by the head bartender, who was a friend of mine back then. His name was Steve Morgan. He got you the job, Steve yeah. did. Was he at your roast? Oh, no, we haven't spoken in 30, 40 years. Oh. We're not uh, in touch with each other. Oh, okay. And... I couldn't even tell you why, but we're right. not. And anyway, like uh, Kevin eventually just said bye, you know, that he was leaving. and wasn't long after I had started. And he, does, he doesn't tell it this way, but I'm sure this is what he told me back in the day why he was leaving. He said, well, my stand-up is starting to develop mm-hmm. and do okay. And it's really kind of tough when Bud introduces me as his bartender every time he brings me up. Mm, that's understandable. So, he doesn't want to be seen as that. Right. And I'm sure I understand why Bud did it. It's sort of oh, like sure. an ego or pride mm-hmm. thing. This is our bartender. Mm-hmm. And no, he's he, going to get up and perform. Nobody was doing it for any uh, extracurricular reason. He, he, yeah. That's just like you said. He was proud. This is my bartender. Yeah. And look how good he is. And, and Kevin's looking at it going, hey, I don't want that as my intro. I want to have respect and it's not Hollywood. You know, get me a cocktail. You know? <laughs> it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood and it's typecasting, you know that they go like it's there's the bartender, you know. Uh, So like, okay, when you're done, you're going back to the bar, and that I think that's really the major reason why he left at that point, Mm -hmm. you know. Although he was about to take off anyway, it was just a couple of years later that he got SNL, right? He just took off from there. And we all have to start somewhere, you know. (laughs) I I actually bartended. Oh, did you? And we had a comedy night. And I would jump from behind the bar and say, people, hold your drinks. I got to go up. And I emceed. So I had to keep stopping my act, stopping my act of bartending mm-hmm. to do my stand-up act. This is in Philadelphia, Rick's Cabaret. Okay. And I would go up and up. And it was, it was the strangest thing. And, and then, then I'd go on stage. I'd say, you know, you better be tipping me well because it's going to go to everyone else that you're a cheap bastard. So, so, I, I, was so able, I was able to, uh, you know, heckle them from the stage. So this is where you started? In Philadelphia. In Philadelphia? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what year was this? Oh, God. I, Way I've back? Been, I've, been, well, I've been doing it since high school. Wow. Ava Tamini's Backyard was my debut. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, my stand-up debut uh, 
my real one was, uh, but we're going to get back to you. Uh, no, no, I, I'm, I've got questions. <laughs> you have questions that you didn't cover on your podcast. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just starting to think. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I started a, a, a place. Uh, I was a, I was actually going to go to law school, and I was working in a big law firm, prestigious law firm, and I would make everyone laugh in the lunchroom. I was a clerk, and everyone, I'd have lawyers laughing. They let me on their softball team. And this guy he was a musician. He was a fellow clerk and messenger. He said, would you like to perform between sets of my band? You know, do some of what you're doing here. And, I, you know, I didn't really have an act yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, someday I'm actually going to – as a matter of fact, the next time I do uh, – today I was planning on this, Corey. For, we're doing a lot of content now because we're all indoors and we're watching. Right. And today when we do our live, I'm going to do my first jokes that I ever told. I uh... do my first comedy act I ever told. The entire crowd was African-American, 106 degrees in the summer. White people won't go out for that. <laughs> but, uh, not if there's air conditioning not, around. No, 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 and there was no air conditioning. People were, it looked like a, you know, Alabama Baptist church, you know, with the, everybody's fanning. Each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of that. Not a lot of laughs. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, that's a laugh. Come on. That's a laugh, man. Mm-hmm. I was getting some howls. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was called Sandy's Supper Club in West Philadelphia, and I got the bug. I got the bug. I went, man, this is, this is something. I had like probably two laughs, and I went, ah, that's like, a, that's like a first hit on a crack pipe. So there was no like buildup for you in the sense that I've always wanted to be a comic. It just sort of hmm. morphed into that. I from... swear I'm not going to make this interview about me, Eddie. It's the last question I'm going to answer <laughs> okay. about me, but... Uh, no, I had always wanted to do something in uh, in the realm of performance. I was always an actor. Mm-hmm. Even when I was a kid, I was an actor. I, uh, one time, I I literally uh, I played uh, Captain Horster in Enemy of the People. Oh, cool! And uh, <laughs> not a comedy, <laughs> no, not uh, a comedy. Ibsen is not. So I was try and I forgot my lines. Oh, that's and thank like God we had a genius was acting against me, you know, who's, uh-huh. who's a major theater person. His mom was a theater professor and all that kind of stuff. He literally had to ad lib to get us through to the next scene because I <laughs> forgot a, probably a page of dialogue. I just dropped it. So I'm surprised I stayed with it. A lot of the uh, things that I've done throughout my career, which I'll also talk about on my show, when you're not here and my guest, Eddie... Oh, I'm uh, trying my best not to be a topper. No, that, you know, no, I, I'm trying I, not to be a topper. We talked about some comedians are toppers. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't stand it. I know. Have you seen this? Where, Have I like, seen it? I've, I work at the bar at the Improv. Have you ever stood there and go like, <laughs> uh, one guy says something funny, and then all of a sudden there's a line down the bar of everybody trying to go like one <laughs> up the guy. Up, one up, one up. And yeah. I'm like, shut. Up, all of you, and they all ask me, "Can I run this joke by you?" And my answer is no. I really? don't listen to jokes anymore. It's like no. You you put the kibosh I on. I did. It. Mm-hmm. When was uh, this? Did you? This has been. This has been for like about fifteen. Yeah, fifteen, twenty years ago. It, was, it just got out of hand. Oh my! You God. know, and and actually, and they're there a little piece of paper. Paper and that's what we do. We carry a little piece oh, pad, no. and, and they say, "Hey, Eddie, what about this?" That and I go like, "No," with, and then walk away. <laughs> Very, it it just well, it gets out of hand. Of I also have a does. job to do there, so it's like, and their jokes are never like 
one-liners, their stories, which is fine, yeah. but not for my job. Some of them, which is really funny, will just keep talking even when I walk away. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they're, they're telling a story or yeah. telling a joke, and like there'll be somebody down the other end of the bar that needs service, and I'm like, I'll be right back. Their mouths don't stop moving. <laughs> It's like come back and you're still talking, and they are. It's like I never left. Wow! It's like they're they're uh, six pages down on their, on their story, but they I, never missed a beat. My grandmother was that way. Uh, she would just keep talking. We would literally take the phone and put it in the refrigerator <laughs> or in the bread basket, and we would hear wah, 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 and she would keep going. Mm-hmm. And all you'd have to do is like then you open the refrigerator and you go uh huh, and then you put it back in the refrigerator. <laughs> we would have this little experiment we would do with her that she it didn't matter who was on the other end. I know. I'm trying to make sure that it doesn't happen now, Eddie. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> or it's just me talking. No, so, no. So, I'll, no, I'll this talk. is this is a fantastic interview because you're giving me some insight. Into the sickness that we're this business oh, that we're in. It's a, you know, comics. All of you, I I give you all so much credit. It's such a tough job to do. It really is, and I make fun of comics obviously all the time. Right, but. I really admire the genre in the sense that, like you said earlier, it's really a lot of work. You yeah. d- people think you go up there and just start telling a joke. They don't realize, too, how intelligent a lot of comics are. You have to be if you're going to tell topical jokes. Yeah. You can't just out off about the coronavirus and use the word because it's out there mm-hmm. you need to know something about it and comics in general i've found are, are like really hard-working people they go to open mics they go they're they're playing god knows how many shows they can every single night this is not like uh, i have not worked for wherever it is i get yeah you know and unfortunately everybody can't get to where they want to be, but that doesn't mean there aren't a lot of talented people out there because there are. And uh, yeah. it's just a matter of some have been discovered, some haven't. Right. Mm-hmm. Some have been discovered and discarded. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is how it works. It's a, it's a, it's an ongoing amoeba that just keeps, it just keeps taking its own form. You'd mentioned intelligence with comedians. What do you think the commonalities are? Like, uh, for instance, an athlete would say, oh, he has quick feet or, mm-hmm. or they came from a certain background. A lot of NFL players, uh, you know, they grew up in uh, impoverished background and it motivated them. What do you think a comedian's motivation is and what do you think some of the commonalities are? Well, I th- commonality wise, I, I would think for the, the most creative comics are quick thinking. And being knowledgeable, like I said, of what's going on in the world, yeah. so that when they snap back at with something, it's topical. It's not just like some rude, profanity-laced line right. or it's, something yeah. old, an old, an old mm-hmm. way of dealing with it. It's it's all it's a fresh thing. But what do you think of some of the personality traits? that are somewhat common or some of the backgrounds are somewhat common with a comedian? I've, I have been asked that. Have you? So many times. And, I see how original I am. And, yeah, that's, that's really original. But, not, I guess I'm not a comic. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not one of those intelligent comics. No, so I it, up with it, a it's a very it's common tr- question. It's been asked a thousand times. To well, me, I've never heard the answer. No, to <laughs> so. me, and I'll tell you, there is none. Every, none? None. Every single comic is different. Everybody has their own background, background yeah. or reason for why. And I've 
talked to so many comics about why they became a comic or what spurred them on. And some will go like, I had a rotten childhood and this was the way I, I let it out or like uh, my father beat me and stuff and this is how I got it out. Or, you know, some will just say, it's just something I wanted to do from day one. Yeah, there's got to be a reason they're doing it, though. Well, the, I'm into the deeper psychological called, reasons. Well, if there is one thing, it's called attention. And that's what so yeah. many, I think, people, not crave. just comics, want. They crave it. Yes. Yeah. People Which, want what to What else would reg- motivate you to do something as insane as this? Nothing. It <laughs> Nothing. It has to be something. I'm going to break it down. I think it's pain. Uh, if you well, even break down what you're saying, mm-hmm. if you take it down another layer, I think it's pain. And we believe that the, the solve for the pain would be doing getting attention mm-hmm. or getting laughs, getting acknowledgement, getting love as it's the misconstrued type of love. But I do think that there's a lot of pain behind it. Now, you can't generalize, but I'm right. saying mm-hmm. somewhat of a commonality. And I, I, either he doesn't address it or he doesn't have it. As Jerry Seinfeld's the one example I can see that really doesn't seem to have pain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that that's his motivator. But most yeah. that I have found, would you not agree? I, I would. It, it's Because uh, it, even if you want to go to that era, there's a man named Richard Lewis. <laughs> you talk about pain. Yeah. You know, and uh, I would imagine even, uh, I don't know, Larry, you know, David mm-hmm. and all. Because I, I remember all of these guys when I first started. And all of them were exactly the same from what I see as they are now and as far as pain goes probably the king was richard lewis with the neuroses and right. like i don't know you know what i'm doing or and whatever be- and became a, a drug addict yes well. mm-hmm. yeah. and, and an alcoholic, alcoholic yeah mm-hmm. and and that's another the- commonality wouldn't you say yes. there's a lot of uh drug and alcohol which so the comedy is dealing with some of the pain mm-hmm. but then other people take their pain in uh, the direction of a lot of sex right or all the things that we're told oh this will handle your pain because our society tells you alcohol drugs mm-hmm. uh, gambling this is going to handle your pain but so part which, of that also yeah. is because you are this is your life is nighttime at a bar mm-hmm. that is your life mm-hmm. you know you go on stage somewhere and it's Always, unless you're fortunate enough to be in a theater, mm-hmm. you're always at a bar. So it's there. It's kind of like uh, which came first in a lot of cases. You know, did you have to did you have to uh, start drinking to be a comic or mm-hmm. because you became a comic, you started drinking yeah. because it's there and it's probably mixed with with a lot of people. But it's I've I've said to so many comics that I try like. You know, some will go like, uh, I need a couple of shots before I go on. And I go like, did you ever try without the shots? See oh, what I happens? was about to ask you that very question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you find that someone that you have a hunch that probably they have a problem. You know, drinking is not a problem. Excess drinking is right. a problem. Mm-hmm. So when you know that it's an excess person, like a, like a Greg Giraldo, mm-hmm. right? Here you have a brilliant guy. Right. And you're serving them alcohol. Mm-hmm. And do you have an instinct that comes inside of you that you go, okay, uh, almost like you're an interventionist? I, you Has know, that ever happened? Yes. That's wow. happened uh, a couple of times. Rich Scheidner. Do you know oh, Rich? Yeah, of course. Well, He's Rich, been sober 35 years, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And, but when he wasn't, 
I, I, no. I was partially responsible for getting him sober. You're an you Eskimo, know? so you know, and in, into to some degree. But there, there are a number of guys, and and I think. So let's take Scheidner. Not to interrupt you, okay. but let's take Scheidner. So let's take now. We're going back to the mid '80s, right. early to mid '80s. You're serving him. He's a wild, mm-hmm. wild drunk mm-hmm. comic, but really good. Like really right. at the top is another name that no one knows anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, this guy was like we all looked up to him. I Who mean, has he, a one man show now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's brilliant, right? And yet we don't know him today for whatever reasons, ageism, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that reason is. But that doesn't make mean he's not brilliant. And became more brilliant, by the way, when he got sober. Yes, mm-hmm. but so he's he's and, you, and he's got this intensity and his passion. And he's you know, he's at the club till two in the morning. He's drinking. So you 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 observe this. You're saying brilliant guy, mm-hmm. and he's delivering the goods. Mm-hmm. How do you have an intervention with someone that uh, seems to have success? It's you know it's, it's working it, for him. Yeah, it's, so to speak. It's difficult because you know. You have to kind of pick and choose your spots with everybody. You have to know, like, well, if this guy's drunk at the moment, nothing's going to work, you know, in terms of, of uh, trying to rationalize with somebody that's drunk. You can try. Yeah, it. You can't it's, reason with alcohol. No. I, I, I believe that about uh, audience. Yeah. I've had hecklers where you're trying to reason with them. And once the alcohol kicks in to that level, mm-hmm. there's no reasoning with them. They can't hear anything about that makes any sense. I've had someone in Chicago, I'm trying to say, do you realize this entire room thinks that you are being rude and you're interrupting the show that they paid for? <laughs> right. You're trying to be logical. But um, Well, Rich, what happened with Rich is that he was just so far gone. I can't remember all of the circumstances, but I believe I might have called a friend of his to come and get him, mm. you know, at, at that point. Come and get him. Yeah, because it was... You know, it's sometimes it just gets to the point where you go like, okay, this guy has got to be helped. And, and those and, were the blow days, too. Yeah. A lot oh, of, a lot of well, that was... <laughs> the 80s. Were that, they doing it on the bar? Not on the bar that I saw. Really? But a lot of times guys would come out of the restroom and I'd have to go like... Did you look in the mirror before you left? <laughs> you got a big, Did you got a, a big mustache? Wow. Of, and this has happened time and again. But it wasn't look. It wasn't as bad then yeah. in terms of what it was looked at as as it is now. It's it. Cocaine was like everybody and his mother did it. Everybody yeah. did it, mm-hmm. and lots of it. I remember in the. Uh, I used to be the co-host of the Magic Johnson show. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I do. I remember uh, that. Yeah, That's for like right. Ten minutes. And should it be called? The, it was a magic hour. Should it be called the magic minute. That's how long. It, <laughs> that's how long it lasted. And I, I'll never forget. And this is a superstar. I'm mm-hmm. sitting next to Whitney Houston, and I'm looking at her, and she's so beautiful. And then I see she's got a hunk of uh, cocaine in her nostril, yep. <laughs> like a chunk. Yep. And, I'm, and I, how do you on national television go, Whitney? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you need to go blow your nose. Whitney, yeah. Get a little, <laughs> Wait, 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 oh. Blow your nose. And see, Eddie, uh, I grew up back east, and that's where my career started as well. And by the way, do you know this? I'm sure you do. Different styles of comedy. Oh, yeah. Did you mm-hmm. notice when the East Coast people would come out here? Oh, it's I, totally different. It is. I'm from the East Coast. I'm right. from New York. Yeah, so, so you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to get back to that, but I wanted to tell you that we also had an illusion in the 80s that you did cocaine everywhere. Oh. And, and that's what mm-hmm. we thought. We, we had heard this. So I came out here, 
you know, just I'm, I'm taking over L.A. And I got invited to a, remember a club called Vertigo. Sure. Really popular. Mm-hmm. That's where you went. You know, that was afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. y- y- yes. I was on the list from the owner. I wow. Dinner, I have dinner with the owner. I was I couldn't believe it. The velvet rope. I went right past all these people. Who's he? I went right Studio past 54 everyone. Studio 54 in just L.A. Just like there was mm-hmm. in L.A. Yes. And I got past everyone. I was so cocky. Dinner with the owner. <laughs> and then I said, let's do some coke on the table because you're supposed to do that around here. It's like part of the thing. I, and they said, no, no, no. Don't do that, my friend Mark. I said, let's just go in the restroom and we'll yeah. do it. And we went into the stall together. And all of a sudden, boom, they knocked in our door. You boys are out of here. So <laughs> this is my debut in L.A. You know how puppies, you pick them up by the neck, you uh-huh. know, the, the scruff of the neck? They had my, my sh- shirt collar, and literally, because I was arguing with them, hey, what, what's wrong with that? You know, you sh- that was breaking and entering. I'm telling it's breaking and entering. <laughs> Into you know, the, the, the guards, you know, they all, uh, had that uh, headset on. They're coming now. They're coming now. And meanwhile, I was invited by the owner. And those same people I had just passed that were still in line, they watched me. The guy Get literally kicked out. my ass. Oh, he, he goes, these boys are out. And boom, he t- took his foot and kicked my ass out into the street. Literally, and that was my, uh, my debut in, in Los That's Angeles. That's how Bud Free. Uh, do you happen to remember the old bathrooms at yeah, the improv? Course. It was like a dump. It oh, was yeah. like one little stall. Yeah. And probably before you, it had a door that went from the floor to the ceiling. And, and you know, for the, the stall to get oh, into the floor stall, to okay. just about right. it wasn't like one of these, uh, right, you know, where plenty little, of room. Yeah. yeah, gap. Well, he goes in there, and there's like three guys in there, and they're all in the stall, and they're Bud they're, goes in, yeah, and okay. and they're doing cocaine, yeah, and obviously he he throws them out, get out of the stall, yeah, a little bit more <laughs> violent, get out of the stall, and okay. uh, the next day. The door was cut in half. <laughs> he had he had it cut down so wow. that you couldn't go in there and just blindly not be seen doing cocaine. Same same type of th- type of thing. But that was the time, and yeah. it's not so much that um, they wanted to stop you, but they know that if they know. They've got to get you out of there because they're, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're in trouble. Same thing. It was God. There were people selling drugs like crazy, and when that's ever, where you got it. Yeah, that was like that. Those are the deal. There are no dispensaries then. No, the the woman that the dispensary uh, was in the alley in the back of Mel, off of Melrose. No, I, I'm I'm uh, and in the and did you ever sell it? No, no, I'm not. I I've never been into drugs really myself at all. Yeah. Not a, a, I'm too much. A lot of bartenders do. You I know. know. That, oh, you know. sure. That's how you they know, make extra cash. A lot of people do. I just have never been into drugs for myself. I'm too much into my body, or was. Uh-huh. Like, I, <laughs> I hate. To I get like up, the or was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I hate to get up in the morning and go like, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do today except sleep, lay in bed, and that's ju- that's just not me. I've been an athlete all my life. Mm. I've I've played ball. I played college ball. I played semi pro baseball. Did you play I, for the improv team, the softball team? No, not. Uh, they used to have one. Well, out here we had we didn't have a team. We would meet on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In I, the valley? No, it was at uh, Fairfax High School. Fairfax. Oh, I and, was never invited to that. Thanks, yeah, Eddie. It, it only appreciate <laughs> it. it only lasted a little <laughs> while, but then um, I actually played against the improv in the Broadway Show League in New York. I remember that. 
I played for a place called, I think it was Catch a Rising Star that I played for. And I was kind of brought in, I was a teacher too at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. I was brought in as the ringer, you know, there. Catch a Rising uh, Star was the rival of the improv. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a big... Those were the comedy wars and yep. the comic strip. Those that three. Was, those were the three. At the very beginning. In the very beginning mm-hmm. and the, of comedy. Improv first, mm-hmm. and then they all started smelling the money, I guess. And right. they said, oh, we need more comedy clubs. And there, was a mu- there seemed to be much more of a frenzy then. It, it was new. Because, yes, and it now was, and now it's not anymore, and it's just taken different forms. And podcasting's another form, right? Taken people are all in that frenzy now. Everybody and his mother, mm, yeah, me too. Just so no bar- like, no bartenders, know. yeah. So I was on yours, which was awesome. That was that was a fun time. Eddie's bar at the Improv. Eddie's bar at the Improv. Yeah, the, what a what a great way to have a podcast is you're having all the guests that you've served drinks to mm, and watch right. grow in the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, very few people walk into the Improv famous. That's very true. They usually, it's, it's a breeding ground. It is, and it has been. It's and, and like you said, the, it's changed the business uh, of comedy and even the clubs. And it's not changed for good or bad. It's just changed. Mm-hmm. It's a different time. People always, even comics, say to me, like, "Wow, it would have been so great to live, be around in the '80s." And I'm the first to say, "You're right." But this is your '80s. You mm-hmm. know, it's that's like, what I thought the other night at your. Uh, yeah. At your, not roast, it was the a celebration. celebration. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know somebody. That, of course, with comics turns into a roast. <laughs> one of the, uh, somebody said to me, you know, it's so nice to have one of these things where, where the uh, person we're celebrating isn't dead, hasn't right. died yet. Usually we don't get together until everybody's dead or somebody's yeah. is It was nice dead. that Bud was there. Oh, that was so nice. It was so yeah. good that he was able Bud to get Bud Freeman, the original out. owner. The founder. Mm-hmm. He and his wife at the time. Mm-hmm. Silver Friedman. Yes, who was going to be at my guest uh, actually yesterday, except that we couldn't do the podcast. No way. Yeah. Silver Friedman? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's, some, that's yeah. some royalty right there. It sure is. And the two of them started this thing back, like I said, I think it was 63. Yeah. And, and in a whole different world. Mm. And today, I don't know if, if you could start it. You certainly couldn't start it the way it is now. It's just yeah. different. But when they started it, it was all you ever heard. And no social media. It nope. all had to be word of mouth or a poster nope. on a... Do Just... they have telephone poles anymore? <laughs> no, actually a... they do. I, I haven't seen a telephone pole in a long time, but oh, I know have. in Philadelphia... We'd have to stay. There'd be a, a thousand staples <laughs> in, oh, the, yeah. in the telephone pole from all the promotional materials that were stapled up there. And then you would take another one down and put another one up. Well, now that's there's how you cement. Had to they can't do that. That's what they're, I mean. There's no, there's no yeah. wooden. I don't think there's any more wooden poles. Well, probably not. Well, you write us a note and let us know if you have <laughs> poles in your in your area. Well, the one in front of the improv has all these tape marks uh-huh. that people now use uh, tape. They do? Their, yeah. So mm-hmm. that still does happen, but oh, we're yeah. just using tape. It's yeah. more... It's, uh, I don't know if it's more economical, but it's uh, certainly, you know, you adapt. We can't... You can't staple it, so now you have to just go ahead and, and uh, I was not aware of that. I haven't, I haven't done a poster in a very long time. I, hopefully, you won't have to do one again. Well, apparently, I do, because the, <laughs> the fans have faded. It's, uh, it's very difficult, the business right now, for, you know, someone who's been at it for a long time. And uh, why do you think? I, I mean, I hate to say this. I don't like the word victim. I don't like to act victimy, but uh, and I'm not because I will seize the day no matter what until mm-hmm. I'm dead. Mm-hmm. 
But we have an ageist society, and it's not this society. I was ageist when I was younger. You know, oh, yeah. you know mm-hmm. the respect you have for different people, and you know, and I had respect for Rickles and Bob Newhart, and you know, I watched them on television growing up and all that. And but I don't think that exists as much anymore. And fans want the new now; they yeah. want quick. Uh, storytelling's kind of fading, and I'm really into storytelling. That's that's been my niche. It's funny. I I say that too. It's people like uh, Carlin and Cosby. And Would they Eva exist Pry- today? They may not because yeah. of the fact that the entire. This is what I call the ADD generation. Yes, I do they, too. Yeah, they cannot maintain what's the word focus. So you have to get them with a one or two liner or otherwise they're like on their phones, you know? You've got to get them with shiny objects. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's or profanity. Oh, that's, yeah. That's their oh, big yeah. thing. It's yeah, like, it's funny because I, when I was coming up in comedy, I used more profanity than today because the message to me was, no, you have to clean it up. Like a Seinfeld or mm-hmm. a Drew Carey who got television shows and Ellen DeGeneres. When I was growing up in the business, they were the ones that had sitcoms. And uh, Tim Allen, mm-hmm. now Bob Saget, Bob Saget, <laughs> but he made it being clean, which is I really what, on TV clean and on stage not. Oh, so not. But you're not. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite of not. But I, so I got this training where I, and also being on radio, I curse a lot less. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, so now it looks like that's not a good formula anymore. I'm, I'm watching people and it's literally... Every other word, adjective, yeah. noun, verb, adverb. Yep. You know, how many uses you know, do I've, you have for one word? It's, it's amazing to me, and that's what attracts people. I mean, those, we have a litany of reasons, but that is one of them, is the ADD generation. Yes. They'll, they'll you don't want to sound like way. an old ass, too. You know, sorry, no, these but kids I, today. Look, I don't want to do these kids today, but it is. It's just a fact that, uh, you know, you were asking me for reasons mm-hmm. for, you know, Scheidner's faded and, you mm-hmm. know, to, you know. Well, it's, you know, the, as far as the profanity goes, it's like the sad part is to me, and like you said, it's not to this generation. It doesn't matter to them. I was watching a, uh, I think it was uh, an Eddie Griffin special on TV. I was channel surfing and yeah. came across this and he was telling a joke and i thought it was hilarious and mm-hmm. there was profanity in the joke yeah. and i don't mind it in the joke no. when it fits and but after two or three jokes in between every joke he's pacing the stage and every other word is is mother this and that and i'm going like you know come on i don't i don't need i'm by, I'm by no no right, means yeah. approved. I mean, I probably curse more than anybody I know. Yeah. But it's if I want to be entertained, I don't need it that way when, when you're not yeah. telling a joke. I think to break that down for me is you, you believe, and I believe this in my heart, that comics are the more brilliant performers out there because mm-hmm. we're the script writers. We do everything. Right. You know, it's a, so I have the utmost respect. And it kind of takes the respect level a little lower because you're going, you could probably spend a couple more minutes writing that better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's what it is for me is like, you know what? You really could, you know, loosen the reins on that. I remember being forced into cleaner material, forced into different approaches to a joke, forced into it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 actually, at the improv, I, remember evening at the improv? Sure. Mm-hmm. That was that was that, that was the that show was to do. That started 
really that I think that was like the first of all the comedy shows, uh, even on it cable. Was. It, there absolutely. wasn't anything before that. It was on A and E, right? Until That's they right. became, then they became the Hitler station. You know, <laughs> for a while though, they were the comedy uh, network, and I think they're cops. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, so they all go through phases. But A and E at one time was known for mm-hmm. they were. They were the comedy channel. They were the comedy channel, yeah. and they had Evening at the Emperor, very popular show, but they always had a famous host. Yep. Oh, it's funny and that like you remember someone, that. Someone mm-hmm. who was famous, but not a comedian. Right. And one of my hosts was Webster. Do you remember Webster, sure. Emmanuel mm-hmm. Lewis? Mm-hmm. Is he alive? Can we check that out? I think he's still alive. He's alive, it's the right? the other one, the he's, other He's a very small... Guy. small Gary Coleman's yeah, dead. He, yeah, he, he was the other away. Gary Coleman. <laughs> a, <laughs> he, he a small black, a black uh, kid that they exploited. That's yes. it's a, both the yeah. same. Do so, you know that he was a security guard at the end of his... Yeah, uh, yeah I do know. He, Gary Coleman was. Gary Coleman. Emmanuel Lewis, we still don't know. We're just checking if he's alive. <laughs> but anyway, he took... And he was really big then. Mm-hmm. And I, we went into the bathroom. And you know he's like... You sure you want to tell he's, us? He's way, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> he's, he's waist high to me. And um, he goes, uh, pull your zipper down. I go, what the hell is going on here? I was brand new to Hollywood. I'm going, the star is telling yeah. me to pull my zipper down in the bathroom of the improv. And, he's, and it was because he says, uh, he wanted me to, I had no idea of this technique. He says, now reach in and pull your shirt in. <laughs> he was teaching me how to tuck my shirt in. Right. And I was thinking he was, I yeah. think, is this how I have to get ahead here? <laughs> we always heard about no cocaine and blowjobs. No pun tape intended right. there. Right? <laughs> so, oh, that's um, funny. What is it? He's alive. What's he doing now? Is he a security guard? Too? No. <laughs> but he 49. Oh, my God. Wow. And he told me to reach in. And, and to this day, if I ever do tuck, I'm not a tucker. But I will do the Emmanuel Lewis method of yeah. you pull the tail down, uh, reaching oh. through your zipper when you, when you do that. But that show was uh, the first thing on the resume, if you're looking at television credits. Evening at the Improv. It was a breeding ground for comedians. There's not one comedian from back in that day, I don't think, that didn't do that show. Never one, even the shitty ones. Yep. Yeah. So many, well, they eventually ran out of uh, comedians. Not ran out, but... So many tell me they did it four or five times. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did about so, four times. Yeah. And the thing is, what I was about to say is it, it trained me. You had to be squeak clean on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it trained me to rewrite jokes. I used to have a joke. I was, as a matter of fact, someone, oh, this was really crazy. I was about to go on, and you've got your material down. You got it down. And uh, a guy used the same reference. Um. As I did. Oh, and I'm Jesus. going, I can't tell the joke. And I go into the bathroom, not with Emmanuel Lewis this time. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. And rewrote I... the joke, and it turned out to be a better joke. Oh, I, I used to talk about the, um, when you remember when you were a kid, you ate cereal. Were you in sure. cereal when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. Sugary cereal, right? Without a doubt. Did you do all. sugar on top of sugar? On, I have, listen, I still do sugar. <laughs> That's what my doctor keeps telling me. You need to cut that sugar out. Oh, I, I stopped doing this, but I would take the Frosted Flakes and actually put sugar on, on top the of the Frosted flakes. flakes. That's how bad it was. Till you get to that bottom, that milky substance. That it's has, all sugar. Right? And, mm-hmm. I, and I called it uh, nuclear something. I forget the old joke, but then I had to, someone that did a nuclear reference I had to quickly change it uh, to glucose quicksand, which was a, a better, <laughs> yeah. a better reference. And sometimes that's what comedy does: is it forces you to get cleaner, it forces you to make the joke better, it forces you to write, it forces mm-hmm. you to. to uh... well, now, you... have you ever been on stage? 
not as a comedian. I, like I told you, I am an actor. Right. So I have been on stage, but not as a comedian one time. It must have been emergency. Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> emergency. It was it was a Sunday evening. There used to be a singing duo that performed every every Sunday at the improv. It was a very famous oh, Andrea Marcovici. Oh. And Are you kidding me? No. What no. do you mean a duo? She's a solo and no, she's she, amazing. She was with another there was a guy, they were the two of them together. And they performed What like, a reference yeah. you are giving me. She I go way back with her. Really? Oh my oh, god, yeah. I love her. What a voice on her. Well she, actress the, and singer. Mm-hmm, yep. And, she's another and a can we sweetheart. see if she's alive? <laughs> I think she is. <laughs> well she the the two of them are, are here. Yeah. The audience, it was a full house for them. And the manager comes out. Her manager comes out and goes, Eddie, the, the host isn't here. I said, well, it's, you know, they got about 10 minutes. They'll be yeah. here. Goes away, comes back a few minutes later. Eddie, can you go in there and bring him up? I said, no, <laughs> I can't bring him up. Is that my job? I said, no. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'll give him drinks. And she comes back again. Eddie, please, you got somebody's got to bring him up. We got to start the show. So I let her talk me into it, and I go up there and say hi and blah, 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 and start telling the dumbest joke, you bar did? joke. I did, and it, halfway through it, I stopped because I could see the look in the people's faces like, <laughs> who the hell is this, and what in the world is he doing? And I'll tell you what the joke was because I remember it. Yeah, oh, it, great. It, it was that bad. The joke was... Uh, when Lee Majors and Farrah Fawcett were married, they have a, a, a plumber comes in to fix the sink, and oh, Lee no. Majors walks in and, and uh, says something like, uh, just make sure you screw the right faucet in there. <laughs> this was the joke. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is why I don't do comedy. Eddie, that's not that bad. I've heard way worse on open mic nights. Oh, I, yeah. I'm sure you have behind the oh, bar way worse jokes than that. That's not that bad. I saw where it was going, but still, <laughs> it was it was a pretty. Well, I think they did too at that time. It was like, <laughs> no. When you say open micers, I like. We used to have open mic, and and when the improv bar was kind of shut down, and it was in the lab next door, so I had to sit in there when the open mic was on, and listen to all the open micers. And a lot of it, you know, you watch people grow and so on and so forth. And and very little stops me from saying something. And, yeah. and so nothing does. You're a New Yorker. Yeah. So they, no filter. No, absolutely not. Right. So this one comic is says says tells a joke. Nobody laughs. And then he goes, come on, guys. That's my best joke. And I go, well, then you need to get off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> which cracked, of course, the audience up. But I couldn't believe a comic was actually saying that after people didn't laugh because you just, you're done. You're, yeah, you're if, setting yeah, yourself up. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you are, if you do have good jokes after that, you just told them that was your best joke. Oh, my God. And that's that, it. Yeah. I've, you can't yeah, shut me up. There are a lot of lessons you got to learn in comedy. That would be one of them is don't give the crowd any more ammo. That's right. Than they, than need. they need. Yeah, exactly. 
So we have to, uh, you know, geez, I could talk to you all day. These are such cool stories. Would you come back another time? Sure, no problem. You're my neighbor here, which yeah. is great, which is I, rare. If you if you need somebody to fill in, you know, like somebody doesn't show up, I'm 10 minutes from here. I know. Right now this, we our have neighborhood. A lot to do. All I have left is uh, you, uh, Will Smith, Ario Speedwagon, and the host of The Bachelor, Chris Harrison. Okay, so <laughs> that, that's all that lives in our hood here. Eddie I, Money passed away, so he's oh, not here anymore. That's right. No, yeah. I, yeah. I'm I'm wide open. Yeah, Anytime. we're we're way out. We're way out north of LA and I can't believe you commute to the improv I guess it's you know it's not as bad as you would think because in general I'm going against the traffic oh yeah and plus for me it's kind of like my downtime like my relaxing time Mm -hmm. I'm not home I'm not at work I'm like just kind of like in limbo. I can listen to music. I can listen to anything. I can be stuck with myself for mm-hmm. 45 minutes. Yeah. But it, it's, you get used to it. We're all in limbo now. Yes. It's yeah, crazy. I know. crazy. This is so surreal, this whole I know. pandemic. I, I just can't. I'm so happy you came through. No traffic, that's the good news. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. no traffic it's, now. It's funny. But you came through the pandemic wave that's out there and, and showed up here. So it is called Can I Help You? Do you have any... Uh, suggestions for someone in any realm of life you could possibly help them with your sage wisdom of <laughs> of a of a forty year bartender around some of the most brilliant people in the history of the planet. Mm-hmm. And what have you gleaned out of that that you might want to share with our audience? I'll tell you, it, it's really very simple, and that is be true to yourself. Mm. And that's like that's something that I have tried to do and if we all are that way i think we'll we'll be better off if you you know you just be true to yourself yeah and there's a lot of phony out there welcome to hollywood (laughs) you've served a lot of drinks to those (laughs) you served a lot of drinks to those phonies well you're as real as it gets i feel like i feel like i criticize nick cannon and he has the worst he's a mass singer one of my favorite shows (laughs) i criticize him all the time he has the worst segues ever oh really oh yeah it's the he'll take the last thing a judge says like they'll go you know uh what a beautiful mask and that was a beautiful performance. <laughs> so yes, what they, and I just did that with you. I'm guilty all right. as Nick can. Maybe I'm projecting on him what I don't like just about myself. watch Craig Shoemaker on Eddie's Bar or listen to him at the Improv Podcast. That's right. That's we have right. the Improv Podcast. I still haven't seen it. I you, can't you need a staff or something. I do. I, to help you out with promotion. I didn't even know it was released. And oh, we did man. it months ago. Yes, we it did. It went really well, too. It was it a went really great. interesting, it was really, fun really interview. Good. Done at the Improv. Yep. So you can actually see the Improv where most comics developed their material most of them came up through the improv most of them became alcoholics because of this guy right here because <laughs> of eddie burke enabler. He, he's an enabler <laughs> so if you want to be enabled me. if you want to yeah. go get a drink make sure you tell eddie actually they heard him on here that's right you can stop by not even go to the comedy show because it's outside right. of the comedy room people don't understand it's the hang area see a lot of celebrities a lot of comics are hanging out there it is a really cool thing to do so if you are visiting california and los angeles put it on your list it's it's better than the, who wants to see freaking handprints right <laughs> yeah you know, i mean you know when you can you see this print, face yeah, yeah you, you know <laughs> i wasn't talking about you i was talking about the famous people oh, <laughs> sorry. just kidding so no okay. i'm talking about go see you you'll hear stories and you'll see legends are all around you and you're not going to put your hand and go my hand's smaller than, than, <laughs> than Earl james earl yeah. jones no uh, you're go- you're going to uh, have a great time at the improv listen we need more comedy and i hope that you had a great time yeah, on our did. show today i did thank you so much for having me i was here. talking 
talking to them, not it. you. I know you didn't oh, have a good time. Right. No, I hope you had a good time too, Eddie. I'm real happy that you're here. And, I uh, did. And, and don't brave, forget brave the uh, elements. Don't forget this laughter heals. Laughter does heal. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed yes. to get to that. Here. Oh, you got it there. No, you I don't. I don't think down. I do have it here. Oh uh, well. So this, it this I is love the that. part that's. T- by the way, talk about truth, right? Mm-hmm. The truth is. I don't like promoting myself. It's probably one of the reasons yeah. I'm fading too. I'm not good at it. <laughs> I don't like promoting. Well, I, promote I always that. hope that people just go, wow, that's some talent or that's mm-hmm. something to say or I'm entertained or I'm in, whatever that yeah. is. They go, hey, I can, I jive right. with this guy and you just hope it happens organically, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. <laughs> you yeah, have no. to tell people that I'm on Instagram at my YouTube channel and you can help us for free. Just spread the word, press like, make some nice comments, tell your friends, all that kind of stuff. Let's share our experience together and let's shift our experience, what's going on now. Let's shift it into a more positive realm. This is a great immunity booster is to Mm -hmm. laugh. We're all bored at home now. What else do you have to do but watch Craig Shoemaker with a special guest, Eddie Burke. Spread the word. I'm the love master on Twitter. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time on... What's this called again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of maintenance to do. Laughter it, 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 I, I love that laughter heals. Oh, thank you, brother. Yeah, well, that, we have that going as well. But it is called Can I Help You? Hope we helped you just get through your day today. See you next time. Today's podcast was produced and edited by Sergio Navoa.